Hey there, just wanted to let you guys know that the audio on this episode is a little bit uh, different than normal. Um, I just switched to a new sound mixer, and so a little more high ends coming in on Tony's end than probably should. But it's not like that for the entire episode. It's just little bits and pieces here and there. But just wanted to give you a heads up for when you when you hear those differences. So uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure. I'm Rob Wilson. And I am Tony the Quan. So we're taking a uh, a trip a little bit closer to a movie that's more recent, just a few years old now. But not set recently. But not set re- recently. <laughs> so yeah. So in this one, it's we're we're doing in this episode we're doing the uh, the most recent Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which of course takes place in 1969 and is about life in Hollywood in 1969, and it revolves around certain events that happened in real life, but it is of course an alternate history. Kind of like how Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards was an alternate history of the World War II era. Right. It's funny, like, there's obviously Bastards had some made-up characters. also had Hitler and others, and yeah. Hitler meets a but different ass. But we're not going to go into details about that movie <laughs> on this episode. We might do that yes. that movie um, later, on a later episode, where we will go into all of the details. But speaking of details, spoiler alert, uh, we are going to be talking about every bit of this movie. <laughs> Uh, beginning, middle, and end. So if yeah. you have not seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, pause the podcast now, go watch it, and then come back and finish listening. If you don't um, care about one. spoilers, if you don't want to be if you don't mind being spoiled, then keep on listening. Because we are gonna talk about every bit of this movie. All of the uh all the stuff, you know, twists and turns and all sorts of spoilers. So anyway. The other one obviously would be um kind of alternate in a way not really i mean it's a historical movie would be django yes django unchained but all the characters in django are obviously not historical but a revenge movie i think that was the next movie after django was people eight which has a large revenge quality to it more from a criminal standpoint than some of the other movies where it's good guys going against these really evil people so, you know, Once Upon Hollywood is another period piece that he did, which is a string of them after his first several movies. Kill Bill being kind of the last one that would have been kind of modern day, right? You know, and I think people know Tarantino enough. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, most people listening to this, probably seen Pulp Fiction, probably seen Kill Bill and Bastards and many Tarantino movies. But for me... And Jackie Brown and you know, I, all those. Jackie Brown movie, it's the next one I'm going to get to. I'm... I'm I love, love, love Jackie Brown. I think it's his underappreciated masterpiece, to be honest. Maybe we'll do that one day. Yeah, maybe we will. It, it, really it's been a while since I've seen that one, so it'd be interesting to watch it again. And I uh, absolutely love Jackie Brown. I really like this movie, too. Yeah, and this movie, um, <laughs> oh. I actually had not seen it until I watched it for this podcast, actually earlier today. So it's still fresh <laughs> in my mind. Like, and I mean, yeah. earlier today, as in like just a, a few hours ago, I finished it. So, uh, <laughs> and for myself, I first watched it, not when it came out in theaters, but probably about six months ago, as of when we we're recording this, and I really watched it for the second time this past week and really enjoyed it again. Yeah. It's just, it's for me, uh, using Jackie Brown again, brings me back to kind of his nineties period where he is creating his own characters, his own storyline. He does that with Kill Bill, too. Also with Kill yeah. Bill, I guess. But Kill Bill is so highly stylized that it feels like it takes place in its own universe. And I get that there's a Tarantino universe, especially when you look at his early films. You can try to connect between Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown. But Kill Bill seems like it's so set apart. And like Jackie Brown in and of itself, also the part. Same with Pulp Fiction, and same with Hollywood here. And I was glad to watch it because the other ones are very much very historical and very revenge driven. I thought this goes back. Yeah, to and that this time one's not really nineties filmmaking. Yeah, it's not really revenge driven. It's really just the story of Hollywood in the sixties. Right, and one of the things that's about it, uh, I get about it, is I love, love about it. I guess is you feel Tarantino's love for movies. You know, if you don't know, Tarantino was basically a video stroke clerk before he was able to make his first movie, Reservoir Dogs, back in 1992. And if you listen to him, like, he will know and can list off one of the most obscure movies you've never heard of. Yeah. If you quizzed him on it. Like, his knowledge of movies is really deep. 
and you see all these really obscure references of all of his movies, not just movies. Like, you can also even see like music. You just insert your random music into his movies. Like, where did that song come from? Yeah. Like, you know, deep cuts of people like David Bowie. And that's infused, especially within this movie, though, I think, when you take a look at that time frame. He's trying to make this homage, this period of Hollywood that's stuck between kind of its golden age of the 50s and early 60s and it's transitioning into modern cinema and kind of where you get these really gritty 70s movies while focusing within the Manson family murders. It focuses on a character played by Leonardo DiCaprio that's an aging star, but he's in that period where he's transitioning between being this leading man into these kind of rougher roles. And it's part of the period. Like it like that's part of what I mean by that is that you get the understanding of how well Tarantino knows how Hollywood works like that. And in terms of where you get these actors from these T V series in the fifties that all start making these guest appearances on these movies in the sixties, early seventies. So yeah, DiCaprio plays Rick Dalton. Like you said, a a former star who, you know, back in the fifties he was the star of Bounty Law. And I'm sorry. He, was a, he played a bounty hunter. And yeah, it makes me think of County Law also. <laughs> County Law, County Law. County Law. Boss sister. <laughs> if you have not seen that YouTube video for County Law, <laughs> look it up. It is hilarious. Oh. <laughs> County Law, County Law. Boss sister. <laughs> Am I on County Law? County Law, County Law. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, no. but yeah, Rick Dalton started in Bounty Law, not County Law. Yeah, so basically the movie follows Rick Dalton as he's transitioning from being the star from this show in the 50s to he's taking on a lot of roles as the villain in his more recent movies. and Like, you know, TV pilots or maybe small role in a movie. Yeah. And he's, and he's sort of becoming and typecast as a villain, which is brought up early on in the movie by Mr. Schwarz. Not Schwartz. Yes. Schwarz, played by Al Pacino. Um, <laughs> I love Pacino in this role. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah, he's great. But yeah, so then Rick Dalton's best friend, Cliff Booth, played, played by double. Brad Pitt, is, yeah, he it's his stunt double and sort of his chauffeur, too. His, his gopher. Because he had too many DUIs. Yes, because Rick Dalton had too many DUIs, so he's not allowed to drive anymore, so Cliff Booth drives him around. And I love That's okay, Brad they, Pitt in this role. It's very Brad Pitt, but he puts his very own spin on it where it's completely believable and not thinking like, oh, it's just Brad Pitt being Brad Pitt. And I like the aspect of where they kind of look out for each other. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely friends. They're they're good friends and it there are there are some aspects of it of their friendship that you can clearly see that Rick Dalton sort of holds himself in a little bit higher esteem because he is yes. the face he's the star. He's the star of of the shows and the movies, and Cliff Booth is just the stunt double. So uh, you know you, you get you get you get little glimpses of that throughout the movie and just the way that Rick will treat Cliff at certain times. But Cliff is a good friend. He he he's he's very loyal. He's very loyal. But, you know, I like the aspects that you're saying, like, you know, it kind of shows a nice kind of subtle way, I guess. You know, like, yeah, like showing those differences, though, and, and maybe it's fair, maybe it's not fair, like, you know, where the difference is where they live, right? You know, got one living in this, you know, kind of secluded neighborhood overlooking Hollywood, this quiet street, and then go you know, back, you know, and it was just living behind a drive-in movie theater and a trailer, right? Yeah, and it's... <laughs> and, like, and again, like, he has access to a lot of what it has, and, but yeah, it's, it's a good demonstration of that. It's played off well. I mean, like, you know, again, it's like, it's kind of funny seeing the pit kind of drive off to that. I, I kind of love the scene, of just a lot of the scenes, the driving. Yeah, although Tarantino has a lot of driving Very, scenes in his movies anyway, but... Yes, they do. And it's funny, like, I, I was thinking about it, it kind of reminded me of, like, playing Grand Theft Auto, where sometimes instead of just doing the jobs, you just drive around yeah. listening to the music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's your setup, right? You know, you have the two of them, the friends, been together, and this changing tide of Hollywood where you can tell it's affecting the friendship to a certain extent. 
obviously he, like rick is having a lot more difficulty adjusting to things right you already see with Cliff, he's had his own troubles transitioning as a stunt goal. He's had these issues, which I guess we'll get into in a little bit. But he has that, that struggle, you know, obviously, as I'm sure you, know, you see that with a lot of actors or wherever you might be, is changing, you know, as career shifts, trying to adjust to changing times. It doesn't have to be hot. It can be anything. But that's that's the setup of where we are. Yeah, so Cliff has been Rick's stunt double for eight years at this point. And this, of course, is in 1969. And so, but but Cliff is having more and more trouble getting jobs with being able to be Rick's stuntman. Because the... the, There's a rumor he killed his wife. Yes, there's a rumor that he killed his wife. Which, throughout the movie, that it's only mentioned a couple of times. And it's never proven or anything like that. But it's just, yeah, there's a rumor going around that Cliff killed his wife. And so now nobody wants to work with him. Except for Rick. We also except for Rick. that Rick has new neighbors. Roman yes. Polanski, who, if you don't know, has directed movies such as Rosemary's Baby. And his wife at the time was Sharon Tate. And if you're not aware of who Charles Manson is... Wikipedia that. In, the, in uh, 1969, oh. the Manson family broke into Roman Polanski's house while Sharon Tate was home and, and murdered Sharon Tate. And several others. And several others of her friends the infamous that were there. murders. Yes. Right? So this is obviously before that. The movie is operating under the assumption that most people know that. Yes. Just to kind of give you that context, if you don't know that, know anything about that. It'd be worthwhile to do a very brief Wikipedia or Google search on the Manson. But, you know, in the scene where Rick discovers that, oh, Roman Clancy is his new neighbor, he's kind of excited about it because Roman Clancy at the time was kind of a hit new director. Yeah. Right? You know, Rosemary's Baby, I believe, was 68. He received a lot of accolades. Mia Farrow was in it, and she was a hot young actress at the time. And so he's kind of sensed within him this idea, like, oh, yeah, maybe this is my kind of ticket into kind of new roles, right? Because he doesn't like the idea that Schwartz floated the idea of doing spaghetti westerns, right? It's like, yeah. oh, it's kind of funny. I, I like this aspect of it because at that time, spaghetti westerns, Italian-produced western movies was kind of where washed-up actors went. Yeah, it's funny because Clint Eastwood made his name in those. Yeah, movies. Clint Eastwood made his, made his name in Spaghetti Westerns. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, you know, obviously there were a lot more just the Clint Eastwood movies, but that wasn't necessarily to say that that's where your career went to die. But you know, that's kind of the point that Tarantino's also making within this, and it's part of his breadth of knowledge of movies, really, really deep. If you ever actually listened to him, so we discover that the next day is it the next day. Yeah, it is the next day. That's right. Because Rick has a pilot, as Rob was talking about, to shoot, which I guess Timothy Oliphant was the star of that, right? Um, yeah, Timothy Oliphant was the was the star of that one. Cliff is already kind of recalling how he can't go because, as you're saying, you know, no one really wants to work with him. And I guess the nail in the coffin for him is his scene that he had, or I guess uh, kind of a scuffle he had with Bruce Lee. <laughs> yes, on the set of Green Hornet. Green Hornet which I, I love. That, I mean, that's the thing about this, this movie. Like, it draws in all these references. Like, you know, Bruce Lee's big. Bruce, Green Hornet was big. And it's funny, like, who's the actor that plays Bruce Lee? What's his name? Mike Ma. Yeah. Mo. Yeah, he does a good job. He does a really good job. <laughs> Great job. He, he really he's really a lot like Bruce Lee. And I think it's funny because, like, this is what I'm talking about. I think it's why it's like Brad Pitt's like perfect for this. Like, he plays it like this kind of every man stunt double calling out the bravado of some of these Hollywood people. Right. I think Brad Pitt, he has a lot of bravado, right? I just, I, I love that scene where he just calls out Bruce Lee. Like, ah. And then he kicks Bruce Lee's ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Bruce Lee does not want that, that guy's ass kick. Yeah. But the say this is a, I guess he's an agent. And then we'll see. But it's Kurt Russell. I guess he's like the lead, the head of like, the something and his wife really does not like Rick. And then later in the movie, Kurt Russell becomes the narrator. He is the narrator. <laughs> yes. It's really weird. But that's the thing about Tarantino, right? Like all of a sudden you get random narration. So I actually thought Russell was really good in Death Yes, Proof. Death Proof. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's like his Tarantino connection is Death Proof. DiCaprio had already been in Django and Brad Pitt had been in Bastards, right? So yeah. Their connections. A lot of Tarantino connections, as always. Yeah, and another Tarantino <laughs> connection that was not in this movie, but 
So Uma Thurman has been in several of his movies. She's a frequent collaborator with uh, Tarantino. She was, of course, in Kill Bill 1 and 2 and also Pulp Fiction. She is not in this movie, but her daughter, Maya Hawke, has a small role. She does. She's one of the Manson family members. Yeah, she plays Flower Child. It's quite the scene. There's another kind of famous, I don't know if it's famous, but um, daughter of more of a famous actress. Amy McDowell's daughter, Margaret Qualley, or Qualley, it's Pussycat. Yeah. The kind of this young, you know, 17, oh yeah, probably about 17. Yeah, she probably is. about 17. She's very reluctant to reveal her age of graduate. Yeah. She, <laughs> she refuses to give any form of ID, so he uh, um, doesn't believe her when she says that she's 18. As he says, he is not going to go to jail for her. He may find her attractive. He's not going to jail for her. Yeah. But she's in it as well as the one that brings she, them to the. She has a bigger role than uh, than Maya Hawk does. Yes, she does. But the Spawn Ranch is where she'll bring him to. We'll get to that. Which but it's yeah, also yeah, it's the just, scene where we have a nice Bruce Dern cameo. Yes, but he also has a um, hateful eight. It's kind of funny. Bruce Dern went like decades without doing anything, and then all of a sudden, in the last like ten years, start doing things again, which is fine because he's a really good actor. I love him in the Burbs. Yeah, oh, that's another one I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> he's just, he's terrific in the burbs. Yep. His daughter, Laura Dern, is great in Jurassic Park. Yep. <laughs> anyway, all these Hollywood connections. And also, she was in The Last Jedi, which we discussed a little yeah. bit well, in a- uh, in the last episode, in our uh, Looper episode. She's about a bunch of David Lynch movies, too, you know, when she was younger, or she kind of became a little bit. Yeah. Um, whereas, anyway, so movie kind of follows, you know, as we kind of get established into things. You have Rick is at the house while Dalton is filming this pilot. And, you know, you mean Cliff's at the house while Dalton is? You're right. Yeah. But, sorry. Because yes. it's Rick Cliff's Dalton. At the house. Rick's Cliff at the uh, Cliff Booth. Yeah, Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton. Rick's doing his pilot and Cliff is at the house. And, you know, I, I kind of like how Rick is kind of uneasy around the set, right? You know, it's different for him. You know, he's yeah. his future. There's this 10-year-old actress who's, like, definitely more into, like, the method acting. Yeah. And but, and what like what I uh, what I liked about about this, though, you uh, you see it a little bit, a little bit here, but you really see it at the beginning of the movie when he's talking to Al Pacino. Yes. When Rick is talking to Schwarz. He's got a bit of a stutter. Yes. Rick Dalton has a bit of a stutter, but when he's filming, his stutter's gone. Yep. So it sort of shows the difference between the real-life Rick Dalton and the movie star Rick Dalton. And so, yeah, you see a little bit of that in the scene with the little girl. Yep. I just think that entire—obviously, it's intercut. I, I think that entire sequence of where— just, With Trudy Frazier is the little girl's name. Where he shows up on set and talks with her, right? You know, and again, she's like not wanting to break character, right? You know, she's young and she's trying to follow like the method acting of, you know, guys like Brando and Nicholson at the time, right? Where, yeah, you no, know, anyone she's going to talk to on set, she's going to pretend like she's the character that she's portraying, which is different from what. Yeah, know, she's insisting, wants, you know, she's insisting that Rick call her by her character's name. And he yeah, asked her what her real book. name is and she won't tell him because she wants to be addressed as her character's name. <laughs> I love how he's reading the book. He's telling her about it. <laughs> he starts crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And she stays in character. Like, she's this little girl in the show that's trying to comfort a guy. That's yeah. Like, that must be tough. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he starts books. crying because the, the book, he's when, as he's describing the book, he realizes that it's... About him. About him, yeah. It's it's basically <laughs> the same story that he's living. It's funny, like, most of the, the... From there, most of the middle part of that movie, at least with him, is like him acting as in this Bible. Right? Yeah. You know, there's like three scenes that they show him shooting within the movie, this TV show. And that's basically that aspect of the movie for him. Like, you know, it's his intro and then him talking with, as I said, like Timothy Olyphant, right? You know, he's, I guess, supposed to be the lead character of this new series, yeah. right? Which, another, <laughs> Timothy Olyphant, I, I'm a big fan of his. He, I, he's a, he is a, a great actor. He's a great I, actor. We I like a lot of the stuff that he's in. We talked about Bruce Willis last time with Looper, and we talked about Bruce Willis movies, and obviously, you know, Live Free and Die Hard, which is the fourth movie in the series. He's the villain in it. Mm-hmm. 
not the best Die Hard movie, obviously, but I actually think he lives up to kind of some of the Die Hard villains in it because he's a very good actor. And obviously, more recently, he's been within the Star Wars universe. And he's been, and it's kind of funny because, like, within the Star Wars universe, within the Mandalorian and Boba Fett, very Western stylized, and he is playing a hero in a Western movie here or Western TV series. Yeah. So it's, it and of course, he was. It, the show that he was on in, in real life was, uh, you know, Justified, where it was Justified, sort of yeah. a Western. It was sort of a modern Western but type it of fits show. fits well here. Completely forgot he was in Gone 60 Seconds. And I almost forgot he was in Scream 2 also. Yeah, he was in The Crazies the also, the remake of The Crazies. Yeah, this is the this crazy. I was like, Rango, um, which is the Johnny Depp, Gecko. Yeah. Yep. Another Western, right? <laughs> okay. Either way, um, Timothy Oliphant, great actor. Great actor. Um very entertaining to watch. Timothy Oliphant, because you can't go wrong with him. Very good actor. Anyway, so that's what's going on with you know, the Caprio, Rick Dalton. Kind of the middle part of the movie, right? You know, he's kind of having to accept being, a, you know, he wants other roles, leading roles, but he's accepting being like the heavy TV pilots or special guest stars. It's funny because like they reference other movies that he's been in since like the end of Bounty Law. <laughs> There were actual movies that exist that you could watch. Yeah, and they basically just threw him into the movie, <laughs> threw Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio in, you know, digitally inserted him into the movie. Which is it, kind of cool, to be honest. Yeah. We didn't mention also that Damian Lewis shows up in the movie as Steve McQueen. Yes. At the Playboy Mansion. So we're in the middle of the movie, and you know, we're also focusing on two other characters, right? We talked about Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth, and he is doing some kind of minor repairs around, you know, keeping up, not just driving Rick around, but just kind of making sure, maintaining his property, making sure the pool's okay, and mm-hmm. doing minor repairs around the house, right? Then you also have next door Sharon Tate, yeah, who, Margot Robbie. Yeah, who throughout the movie, it just keeps on cutting back to her, you know, how she's, how, like, her life. Just little snippets here and there. The movie mostly focuses on Rick and Cliff, but, yes. you know, occasionally it, it jumps over to Sharon Tate's story. So, and she wants to see, she wants to get this book for her husband, Tess, for her husband, Robin, because he's been that movie. She also wants to watch herself in this recent movie that she's been in, Dean Martin, bring up the name of the movie. I don't know. Like this just shows how the knowledge of Tarantino. Like, yeah. So Sharon Tate was a movie that I Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, just kind of an infamous kind of like X-ray type movie. That's which also so uh, the movie is The Wrecking Crew. By the way, The Wrecking Crew. That's right. Yeah, there. The Wrecking Crew is the movie that she which goes. Which was a 1968 movie starring Dean Martin. And apparently, it was part of a series of movies. Like, again, I couldn't tell you that. I know a lot about movies. Like, before this, I couldn't have told you that. And Dean Martin, Dean Martin's a famous dude. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was, and it's funny because, like, I guess bringing back to aspects of this, like, Bruce Lee was a choreographer of action on the movie, right? And Chuck Norris had a role in that movie. In The Wrecking Crew? Yes. Huh. <laughs> he had, like, a small role in the movie. Yeah, so Sharon Tate goes to the movie theater to see it. I like the scene about so it. So do I. Like, she wants to see how people are observing her. Like, yeah. You can tell she's probably a little vain, and she wants to make sure people are responding well to this movie she's in. Yeah, so she and walks up to the box office. and uh, They tell her, like, it's 50 cents yeah. or whatever it is for a ticket. And she's, she's like, like, what, like, if, I'm well, what if I'm in the movie? Like, who are you? I'm Sharon Tate. Like, who's Sharon Tate? <laughs> I'm in the movie. <laughs> That's my name right there. Like, and then, of course, the she has to have a, like a driver's license, right? She can just like, hey, <laughs> no. And the ticket lady gets like the manager, and yeah, he's like, he's like, who, really? And they're like, what <laughs> other movie were you in? Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Oh, that's you. You were in that movie. <laughs> like, can we get a picture? <laughs> yeah, and she makes her move over to stand next to the poster so that people can tell who she is. <laughs> and she goes in. And she watches the movie. And, yeah. like, you know, there's several scenes of her responding to the movie and responding to people liking the movie. Yeah, right? and, and while she's sitting there watching the movie, then that it, uh, <laughs> what I noticed is this movie, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, not The Wrecking Crew, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is just another in the long line of Tarantino movies that shows off his foot fetish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are so many shots of bare feet in this movie. <laughs> I think he's at the point now where, like, 
He just has to do it. Yeah. And so, yeah. So while while Sharon Tate, played by Margot Robbie, is sitting in the movie theater watching the movie, she's got her bare feet up on the seat in front of her. You know, front and center. <laughs> just in case you forgot, Quentin Tarantino gets all looking yeah. at bare feet. He has a big foot fetish. <laughs> and so this movie has a ton of bare feet in it. You know, we see Margot Robbie's feet. We see Margaret Qualley's feet. We see Dakota Fanning's feet. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile so we know we got what's going on with Mother Robbie we got what's going on with the other and then we gotta get back to Brad Pitt as you said he's driving around and there's been this young teenager that he's seen yeah. around um, this hippie girl besides, hippie girl right it's 1969 right in California there's a lot of hippie girls right yeah and so you know and he keeps on seeing her around town and they're you know making <laughs> eyes at each other and he starts talking, you know, he decides to finally, like, you know, pull it at the time. You know, Rick has been in the car and he hasn't pulled up. And now you know, he's by himself and he starts talking to her. And she says that she lives at the Spawn Ranch. And again, if you're not aware of the Manson murders, even if you are aware of the, aware of the Manson murders, you may not know where the family was living in California at the time of the murders, right? And they live in this place called the Spawn Ranch. And owned by this guy, his last name was Spawn. Yeah, owned by this guy named and George. The movie's played Spahn. by Bruce Stern. Yes, George is played by Bruce Stern in but the movie. Back in, like, you know, especially in like the 50s, early 60s, when there were a lot of Western movies and a lot of Western TV shows, they were filmed at this ranch. It was outside of LA, kind of more towards the desert. And it was called the Spawn Ranch. And basically, when Charles Manson, you know, he had been living up in like San Francisco, he came down to the Los Angeles area and they were living around there. And when he finally started getting a bunch of followers, they moved in to the ranch. Because at that time now, again, we're talking about they're making this transition in Hollywood, they're like not having as many Westerns. So the ranch is not being used. So they kind of used the guy to live there, right? Yeah, because at this point, George Spawn is he's getting older. older. He's He's gone blind. And they're basically just, they're taking advantage of him. <laughs> and so, but again, we got to remember, like, Cliff, he knows the Spawn Ranch because he he's, was a stuntman. Yeah, he's filmed there before. He's probably not, even before being with Rick, he probably was a stuntman with plenty of TV shows or movies where he had to work at, you know, the ranch. Or yeah, and he, he, the knows so Jim, he knows George from back George in the day. Really well. Back in the day, right? You know, I, I like the aspect of it. It's I, I just love to see, like, it's this quick thing where he's uh, infatuated with Pussycat, and then he realizes, like, yeah, she's just kind of young and stupid. And then quickly realizing, like, she lives on the Spawn Ranch, and they're probably using this old dude that he has a lot of respect for, right? Yeah. And so he wants to go out and find out what's going on. And it's important because it's, like, kind of like a catalyst for everything else in the movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> also, you know, if you're not aware, it's mainly they're also really into drugs, right? You know, it's 1969. And they're hippies. <laughs> and, and you know psychedelic is one of the one of the ones and lsd and acid and she gives him cigarette yeah for 50 acid. cents she sells him a uh, she sells cliff a cigarette that's been dipped Which in she acid holds on to, but he gets to the ranch and he realizes quickly yeah this is not right because he could just you can tell sometimes where things are just not right and he wants to know where george is and they show him and it's just this really weird scene where <laughs> these people like everything's okay and like once was like yeah i fucked him this morning yeah and yeah they're all trying to keep him from going to george's house but he convinces them to let him go up to george's again, house and then dakota fanning is there and tries to keep him out of the house but he convinces her to let him in tells him where it's kind of this weird thing george's too, room like, is you go back to the scene with him and bruce lee right so, like they're both underestimating him and, you know, and unfortunately, George has no idea really what's going on. Yeah, I mean, um, he's he's in his room taking a nap because he needs to go and watch uh, FBI and Bonanza with Dakota Fanning later. And she gets mad if, you know, he falls asleep while they're watching TV. So he takes a nap during the day so that he can stay up to watch TV with her. So Cliff, you know, he, he goes in there, wakes him up, talks to him, trying to make sure that everything's OK. Then, of course, George doesn't remember him. He doesn't remember who Cliff yeah, is. Yeah, they definitely present him as very senile. Like, I don't know how things really were. Again, we're kind of going, at this point, slightly alternate timeline of what really happened. Yeah. And it eventually becomes a very alternate timeline of what really happened. But <laughs> It's very common for Tarantino because yeah. Inglorious Bastards. Anyway. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, he Cliff's there talking to, talking to George, you know, making sure that everything's okay. 
and obviously he's not convinced. I yeah. mean, you know, he, he leaves like, like, yeah, no, this is not right. But what's he going to do at that yeah. point? You know? But it's, you know, George is willingly letting these people live on his property because he's being <laughs> duped. And Cliff goes out to his car, sees that there's a knife <laughs> stuck in the tire. I love this scene. Looks over <laughs> to <laughs> the guy. The dirtiest looking hippie you've yes. ever seen. The dirtiest <laughs> hippie. At him. Sitting there on the fence laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> so Cliff explains to the man that this is not Cliff's car. <laughs> and lucky for him, he's got a spare tire. So he goes to the trunk of the car, pulls the tire out, There's a tosses jack out. it over by the flat tire, tosses the jack over there, tells the guy to fix it. The guy doesn't want to fix it. He just keeps laughing. So Cliff starts beating the crap out of him. <laughs> he punches him, tells him to fix it. He still won't fix it. Punches him again, tells him to fix it. <laughs> you know, eventually, you know, he gets his face caved in enough to where he agrees to fix the, the tire. Meanwhile, all the women there decide they need to go get Tex. Right. Which we didn't mention Tex. Tex? Tex. Yeah. Like, he briefly meets Tex when he first arrives on the ranch. Tex is going to show people around horseback. That's kind of part of their cover. Yeah. They let people come in, do horseback riding, do little tours yeah. around the hill country. And they had, they had initially called Tex in to uh, to check out Cliff, make sure that he passed Tex's test. Um, and Tex is actually really important within the broader story. We'll see him again yeah. later in the movie. Yeah, Tex is, within, Tex is essentially like uh, Charles Manson's top lieutenant yeah. in the Manson family. So Tex initially signs off on Cliff, and then he goes off on his horseback ride with, with the people. Um, played by um, Austin Butler. Yes. He's in the most recent Elvis movie. Yes, yes. He, I was uh, going to say he played Elvis I in the movie Elvis. Yet. I haven't seen it yet either. I've heard it's great. So like, um, you know, we're kind of giving away when we're recording this, by the way. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the real-life Tex is actually still alive and in prison. Yeah. So, anyway, so once Cliff starts beating up the guy, then one of the girls goes to get Tex and bring him back. It's a little too late because and yeah. The by the by the time death, uh, by the time Tex gets back, he sees Cliff driving off. It's not long off. Yeah, he's about like quarter mile down the road. Not worth riding his horse down, chasing after the car. I think it's I, I, I just love it because obviously Brad Pitt can change that tire. <laughs> Instead, yep. he just wants to beat up a dirty hippie. He wants to beat up a dirty hippie, and also, I mean, it's the dirty hippie's fault that. You know, he's the one that stabbed the tire. And, he should change uh, it. So, yeah, he, he caused the damage, so he should change the tire. But also, he, he just wanted to beat up a dirty hippie. <laughs> but <laughs> It won't be his last. Yep, it won't be his last. His last dirty hippie. <laughs> um, so He drives off, right? And Rick finishes up the pilot. Everyone loves his performance in the pilot. You know, he films the final scene, and everyone's like, oh, you did a great job. I mean, even Trudy, who he threw on the ground. That's right. She's like, that's the best she acting was, I've ever seen. She's like, that's the best acting I've ever seen. And so that puts Rick on a little ego trip. You know, he, he starts getting his, his confidence back. And then he goes on to uh, take a deal with right. Spaghetti Westerns. Well, he ends up watching at night. They uh, get back to his house, the Hollywood Hills, right? Cliff talks about having the cigarette and he puts it in a little cigarette case. Oh, yeah. About yes, it, right? So they're yeah, so they're watching and, and FBI. Be, that night that was a yeah, his was a TV series and so it's FBI because they have a guest appearance on it, right? Yeah, so Cliff and, and Rick and they're gonna watch it together. They're gonna watch right? it together. And uh, Cliff puts the, the acid dip cigarette in Rick's uh, cigarette case, tells him not to smoke it without him. You know, if the, he wants uh, to smoke old, it, he can smoke it, but save some for him. Um kind of, you know, tempting his dog to check off's gun, right? And obviously it's gonna come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They watch it, and Schwarz is watching it. He's cut back to that and decides to, after the FBI episode, to make these spaghetti westerns in Italy. Yeah, and so he um, calls up his, his uh, producer friend, and he's like, hey, I found the star of your of your movies. Turn on FBI right now and watch this guy. And then you get the narration exposition from Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, about all these all these spaghetti westerns that Rick Dalton goes on to make in Italy. Every single one of them is missing, absolutely Yes, every single one of them is an actual movie that then they just digitally inserted Leonardo DiCaprio into. <laughs> but then they skip ahead because he spends, you know, 
not even a year because like the spaghetti westerns like you know they're, they're cheap you know you can spend several months making three or four movies in italy and live in rome and get some money and, and while in rome while out in italy then uh rick ended up marrying a girl and you know he and cliff and you know he sold his stunt double there he does their work and they realize when they come back that that's gonna be the end of the line for them no. And they both realize that on the plane ride home that once they land, they're no longer going to be working together. I, I don't have the lineup right now. I, just, I don't know how Kurt Russell just describes it. Like, when you reach the end of the line, like, just how they're just going to get drunk together. Yep. So they're just going to have one final night of getting drunk and enjoying each other's company. So when they get back to the house, Rick is already drunk and decides he's, he's going to make margaritas. They, they've gone out. Yeah, yeah, because they've gone out to the bar and they're drinking, and or they they had gone out to. Uh, <laughs> here's here's an interesting. So it it keeps cutting back and forth between them and Sharon Tate. Yes, Sharon Tate is out it's with her friends, and this is this is the night that Sharon Tate was murdered in real yes. life, and so it just goes by the different times throughout the night. Now Sharon Tate and her friends went to a Mexican restaurant. And then Rick and Cliff went to a different Mexican restaurant that I thought was interesting. It's called Casa Vega, yeah. which is another Vega nod brothers. to Tarantino, his work with the Vega brothers, Vic which and Vincent Vega. Vega Batson has a cameo in this movie. Yes, he does. Bounty Law. Yes, he does. Michael Madsen, of course, is a frequent collaborator with Tarantino. John Travolta is not in this, who is the other Vega brother, but Okay. But yeah, yeah, I thought that was a I thought that was a clever nod, you know, naming the the restaurant Casa yeah. Vega. The other restaurant where the Tate Stein is an actual restaurant in Hollywood. Yes, is the uh, actual uh, restaurant that Sharon Tate and her friends went to that night. Which uh, again, it's just perfect Tarantino blending real life history with his own fake history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good intermingling of the two. And again, like, there's so much about this movie, though. Like, Tarantino does it a lot. It's just where you just kind of observe what's happening and just kind of long for the ride. Like, sometimes there's, like, a whole lot of plot, and other times there's not. It's just kind of going along, which is fun. Yeah, so Rick and Cliff are getting drunk at the restaurant. And when they get back to Rick's house, Rick decides he's going to make some margaritas. Yep. And... and- Cliff wants to walk the dog. Cliff decides that he's going to walk the dog, and while he's walking the dog, he's going to smoke that cigarette. Yes, he has a pit bull. He finds the cigarette, and he's like, I remember you. A pit bull named Brandy. It's a pit bull named Brandy, and uh, yeah, he he remembers that he has the cigarette that's been dipped in acid, and he's going to smoke that. It's the perfect time to smoke it. Yes. Which is kind of right, right? You know, it's the good time to smoke it. So he's going to smoke it while he walks the dog. Because he's never tripped acid before, and he's curious as to what it'll feel like. Because all he knows is, you know, if he smokes a cigarette, it'll make him high. He doesn't know the extent of that. What type of high it is. Uh, So, you know, he lights up a cigarette, goes out to walk the dog. Meanwhile, while he's out walking the dog, then Rick Rick hears a a loud car outside. That's right, yeah. The buffler is shot. I mean, it's basically, yeah. And some of the the women from the ranch... One of whom is uh, is Maya Hawk playing yes. Flower Child in the back seat of the car. They pull up and park outside of Rick's house. And Rick hears it and he's unhappy about and it. He he's looks drunk. at the clock. It's just after midnight and he's drunk. It's a private neighborhood. He sees this beat up car with a bunch of dirty hippies on it. So he like, goes out. Obviously, long. He goes out. He decides he's gonna give him a piece of his mind. He's carrying just. The cup of the blunder. Yes, he's carrying. He's carrying the, the, the <laughs> yes the, the the cup from the blender full of margarita and yelling at these dirty hippies, telling <laughs> them to get lost because their car is way too loud and it's way too late for them to be making so much noise in that neighborhood. So you know, respectful, respectfully, it's probably not the right. Yeah, word, but. seeing as how one of them grabs a gun and is ready to pull it on him. But they oblige and go to the bottom of the hill. And, but they continue to have a conversation about how all of Hollywood is causing them to be crazy killers, yes. right? Because they watch these TV shows and these movies that glorify murder and glorify Fire. violence. And so they decide that they're going to kill the people that taught them to kill. And one of them realized that that was Rick Dalton that was just yelling at him. So they decide that they're going to go and kill Rick Dalton first. And he went back and he's out at a swimming pool, just floating on his on his little floaty chair and drinking his margaritas. 
Ezra decided to approach yeah. back to the house. Cliff mm. is Cliff walking gets home. back to the house. Yeah, Cliff gets back to the house. And the other thing we have to he's tripping is that balls. Rick got married in Italy, and his wife is yes, his wife sleeping. is sleeping in the house in Rick's yeah. bedroom she's, in in their she's bed. Italian. And Cliff walks in the house. He's tripping balls, and because uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's been smoking a cigarette that's been dipped in acid. <laughs> and Tex and the girls start walking up toward the house. Maya Hawk tells them that she accidentally left her knife in the car, so she has to go yeah. get it. Which is a lie. She's, she turns around to walk back. Tex stops her and reminds her that he locked the door. She needs the keys to get to it. So he tosses her the keys. She goes back to the car and then drives yeah, off because yeah. she doesn't want any part of what they're about to do. She grew a conscience all of a sudden and uh, doesn't want to uh, be part of what's going to happen next. So she drives off. And that's the last we see of her in the movie. So they continue with their mission of killing the people that taught them how to kill. And they walk through the front door of Rick Dalton's house while Cliff Booth is standing in the living room. (laughs) Again, if you're tripping acid, (laughs) it's fun. Like, yeah. Well, I saw this and I thought about it again. Like, have you ever seen the movie The Strangers? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) People, yep. it, it, it kind of feels like that, where like he's just yeah. saying, Instead of Liv Tyler, you got Brad Pitt. Yep. <laughs> and there's no burlap sacks on people. No. But yeah, so the, the two girls have knives and Tex has a gun. And of course, Brad Pitt laughing at it. He's like, What are you doing? He's like, Is that a gun? <laughs> he just puts his finger up. Like yeah, puts his like, finger up like he's pointing a gun at him, too. <laughs> Oh, so, yeah, but but, so before Tex can pull the trigger, Brandy, the pit bull, attacks. Yeah, well, well, before that, like, Brad Pitt realizes, or Cliff realizes, he recognizes them. Yeah, he recognizes them. Yeah, he's, he's, (laughs) he's like, what's her name, Rex? Something like that, Rex? And then one of the girls says, hey, Tex. It's like, ah, Tex, that's it, Tex. (laughs) And he gives Brandy a little... You know, mm-hmm. a little signal like attack. Yeah, and so Brandy attacks, uh, takes <laughs> Rick or takes uh, takes Tex down. Just you know, chewing on Tex's arm while one of the girls attacks Cliff, and the other one goes to get whoever's in the other room, which turns out to be Rick's wife. Takes her out into the living room, but while Brandy is chewing on Tex's arm, Cliff comes up. He sobers up real quick. Comes that ends up killing Tex. Right, well, then, like, Brandy starts chewing on his ball. Yep. But, yeah, <laughs> so he, yeah, then, Cliff ends up bashing Tex's head in on the on the threshold of the doorway and ends up breaking his neck. Two chicks left. One's got... And then the other, one of them... wife. Yeah. And the other one wants to attack him, and... And so he ends up fighting off the one that tries to attack him, See, smashing her head into everything in the room. It's <laughs> you know, on the fireplace mantle, and he realizes she stabbed him with a knife. Yep. It's in his thigh. He looks at it and it's kind of playing He's with it. playing with it a little bit. And then and he continues uh, to bash her head into yeah, everything. Bashes her head into everything in the living room until she is all bloodied, has almost no head left because he's been bashing it into everything, and she's clearly you know, the dead. The other chick is watching all this, and then Rick's wife takes the advantage to attack the other chick. So... <laughs> The one girl that's left goes, she picks up the gun that Tex had dropped when Brandy started chewing on his oh, arm. I, we forgot about this part. That shit got hit in the face with the dog food. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Because, yeah, because Cliff picked up the kid. He was holding a can of dog food because he was about to feed the dog when they got in the house. And he <laughs> threw it at her, hit her right in the nose. <laughs> so she's all dazed. She's dazed. Broken nose. She's got... Her eyesight's a bit obscure. Yeah, her face is covered in blood because she's got a broken nose and she can barely see. So she grabs the gun, runs outside, and Rick is floating on this little floaty chair out in the middle of the pool, drinking his margarita. She comes running out of the house, falls into the pool. And we forgot, we mentioned that he was in McClintock. Yes, we mentioned that he was in McClintock. In that movie. Yes, there's a scene in the movie where, where he comes out and uses a flamethrower to roast a bunch of Nazis. Which he still owes. Yes, he still has that flamethrower, which we find out after he gets out of the pool, runs to the to the tool shed, <laughs> comes out with a flamethrower strapped to his back. 
and just lights up the girl in the pool. <laughs> so very, very Tarantino scene. Just the whole everything in here. All the <laughs> since they broke into the house until the poolside barbecue. <laughs> It's ten minutes of like Tarantino. <laughs> it's just complete act. Tarantino. Just ridiculous <laughs> action. So all three of the, the would-be murderers are dead. The cops show up, they take Cliff off in an ambulance to the hospital because he ambulance. got stabbed he in the hip. With Rick. He's gonna be okay, it's fine. Um, a good little friendship moment. Yeah, and then ambulance takes off, cops leave, and Rick is sort of just out in the driveway. It's out in the street, outside of the gate to Roman Polanski's house. And Emil Hirsch, we didn't mention that he's in this movie. He sort of plays Sharon Tate's lover. And he comes out he's, and he starts talking to Rick and asking what happened, what all that commotion was. That hullabaloo, if you will, which is a callback to one of the other projects that Rick Dalton did, a show called yes. Hullabaloo, where he was singing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, so he, he explains what, what went down. And we find out that those were the Manson family members that in real life were the murderers of Sharon Tate and her friends. Yeah. But because of the events of the movie, they went after Rick Dalton yeah. and Cliff Booth instead of right. Sharon Tate. Cliff Booth and, and uh, So it's just one of those things that like a slight change can uh, completely alter the course of history. You know, they, they went to the wrong house. never Or the right house, however you want to look at it. So Sharon Tate calls down on the intercom to the gate and Emil Hirsch tells her what happened and that Rick Dalton's out here. So she invites him in and, and, he uh, knows. Maybe and so he goes in to join them. The course of Rick and Cliff's careers. Yeah. Rick gets more starring roles. Cliff is still kind of a man for him or maybe other people. Yeah. So the, um, the movie ends there with Rick going in to have drinks with Sharon Tate and her friends. Then there are, of course, there's, of course, uh, some stuff during the credits. Yes. <laughs> We've got a, a commercial for Red Apple Cigarettes, a Rick Dalton commercial for Red Apple Cigarettes, which is a fake cigarette brand that is in just about every one of Tarantino's movies. Chris uh, uh, Willis buys them and after talking with Big Rings. Yeah, they're, they're a mainstay in the Tarantino universe. And it's funny because, like, obviously Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio were big stars. But obviously, even within the movie, Dalton's a big star. Booth is not. But they seem like real characters. Like you know, I think it's the thing that I felt missing in some of the more recent Tarantino stuff. Yeah, Hateful Eight was like really good always, but like yeah, no, it's outlandish and it's like it feels like it's just a story and game. It doesn't feel like anyone in that's real. Same with Django. I think Glorious Bastards is a little bit different. I think with some of the characters. I think of his movies, of Tarantino's movies, I think Inglorious Bastards is the most similar to this one. Yes. Just oh. because it's another alternate history. You know, it's it's real life events told through Tarantino's eyes. You know? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Probably my favorite Tarantino movie in a little while. I love Tarantino. I love like his early stuff. Not saying anything is bad, but I was happy to watch this and more where I can't remember it's but you know especially some of the characters I thought was felt more real like they're saying I'm a big 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 Jackie Brown fan and especially the Pam Greer and Robert Forster character is just so real so you know they're relatable they're real and you can get into them understand them I felt this way in some ways about the characters but then like you said like it's like this real life stuff with Tarantino's spin on things no, it's revisionist in a good way. One of the things that's interesting is you mentioned Dakota Fanning, right? You no, know, she's on the spot ranch. I didn't realize that her character, Squeaky, tried to assassinate Gerald Ford. Really? In 75. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either. Apparently, she was released from prison in 2009. Huh. Yeah. Okay. There is a scene in the movie that's interesting. Charles Manson does show up in the movie. Yes, he has one scene at the Polanski uh, Jay, house. Um, yeah, Jay, played by Emil Hirsch. When they had moved down to Los Angeles, he made friends with a bunch of people. Like, 
it really is interesting. You should, you should look into it if you don't know much about Manson murders other than that Charles Manson is the leader of a cult that murdered people. It was interesting. Like, he was charismatic, obviously. Yeah. He's really the cult. you got to be charismatic. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, he actually got himself in that, like, what's his name, the actor that played the father of the monsters, too. He knew a bunch of the uh, very big people in Hollywood, not just, like, movies at the time. And I think it's one of the things I liked about this movie, too. Like, it's not just think strictly about movies. And I forget about that now. Like, Hollywood also TV and the music. All those injuries kind of combined together. And Charles Manson knew a bunch of them. And he knew the previous owners of the house where the Tates lived. So there's so much to it. And that has nothing to do with movie, which I thought was fantastic. I would watch it again. And again, it's different from some of the other more recent Tarantino movies because it's, yeah, I mean, it doesn't takes place in the past, but it's more recent past, right? Not World War II. It's not the the Civil War, not post Civil War, like the hateful hate. I enjoyed it a lot. And we'll do Pulp Fiction one day, which is uh, absolutely yes. favorite. But yes, that's that's uh, um, that's hands down my favorite Tarantino movie. Is Pulp yeah, Fiction. Mine too. But yeah. yeah, so we'll we'll get to that one one of these days. There, uh, there's a lot to get into that, but this is a good one to talk about. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it because I think it's very good. Yes, it is. It's definitely worth a watch. It, it's definitely it's, worth. It's it's got Tarantino. Right I mean, it's a two. Uh, it's two hours and forty one minutes long. But it doesn't really feel like that. No, it goes very quickly. It's funny, again, because like part of the movie, like part of the middle of it is just basically DiCaprio's character filming a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie is him filming a pilot. And there's parts of that where I really like, we haven't like, like touched into it a whole lot, we don't need to. But it's just like you're watching him being filmed, filming a pilot. And he's like, I need a line. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's like all intense and then line. <laughs> yeah, no, there's so many, but that's part of the aspects of it. Like whether you get to the offset things where you have someone like Bruce Lee bragging about things, yeah, like the entire cast is listening to him, or the actual filming aspects of things. So there's a lot of tiny little Hollywood moments, kind of most of us don't really see. They kind of get brought forward and yeah, and it's just it's. You can tell that this that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is uh, it's Tarantino's love letter to classic Hollywood, to the golden age of Hollywood. Especially those like last days of it, right? You know, yeah. I just you feel like he brings up places and locations that are tied to it very deeply. Yeah, whether it be like restaurants or spa and ranch or movie theaters, bookstores. It's all in his head, and it's like again, like he knows more and backwards so much more about all these aspects of movies, TV shows that most people have no idea about, even really entrenched into Hollywood. And it comes through in the movie, and it's funny. Like, I think maybe that's part of it. It's like it is love lover. I think maybe some of the more recent movies are a little bit more self-absorbed. I think the love lover aspect really comes out in this movie. Yeah. It's probably one of the most pure, kind of unhindered Tarantino movies in a while. Yeah. Like he's really himself in this and not trying too hard in a way. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, it, it definitely it has a different feel to a bunch of his movies. That's pretty noticeable right away. Yeah. That it's it's got a it's got a different feel. It's still it still feels like a Tarantino movie. It's definitely Tarantino. But like it it just it doesn't feel like you know, your Pulp Fictions or your Reservoir Dogs or your right. Glorious Bastards. It's not as action oriented as, as some of his stuff. And, you know, at action. the end, at the end, it's very action, you know, <laughs> very much Tarantino action at the end there. But uh, but yeah, the majority of the movie, there's hardly any action at all. But it feels different, but it feels the same at, at the same time. It's it's and, it's it's obviously a Tarantino movie. You could tell that from the start. But yeah, it's, you never know what. Tarantino is going to do. Yeah. If he does another movie, that's fine. That this is his last movie. Perfect. It's a really good final movie to have. And Brad Pitt won Oscar. And like, that's fine with me. Like, it's funny because like the role so Brad Pitt at yeah. the same time. I mean, Brad Pitt puts such a unique everyone. On it that everyone Brad Pitt. did such an amazing job. And like Brad Pitt was perfect in his role. DiCaprio was perfect in his role. Margot Robbie like, was perfect in her role. You know, everybody um, was was expertly cast. 
Which is not surprising with Tarantino. Like, it's such an underrated aspect of his movies is finding people that really spot on those roles. Whether it be a bigger role, right? Like you would have, or like Mother Lottie, Brad Pitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Have a, you know, a smaller type role, like you had like Al Pacino, I thought was really well cast and awesome, right? Yeah. Al Pacino did amazingly as Schwarz. <laughs> <laughs> he was so fun or to watch. A more famous person in like a one scene, like Dakota Fanning, for finding up and covers things. He, you know, he always does a really good job of getting the right person for a specific part or writing a specific part for someone he knows can do that role really well. Like even, like, I don't know the actress's name that plays Rick's wife at the end of the movie. <laughs> it just seems like the Italian starlet that <laughs> just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> and, and yeah, that was uh, Samantha Robinson, by the way, who played Abigail. Okay. No, 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 no. No, Ab- no, Samantha Robinson was one of one of Sharon Tate's friends. Abigail Folger, the heiress to the Folger. Oh, yeah. that's right. She yes, was one of Folger. Sharon Tate's friends. Yeah, the girl that played the wife. Luke Perry's in a... Yeah, Luke Perry has a small role. And even Daniel Harris is in it. Yeah. I forgot that rumor... I forgot rumor Willis is in it. Yeah. But yeah, Luke Perry plays the... Uh, he, <laughs> he is the actor who plays the father of... Trudy Frazier's character of, of in in the uh, the father yeah. of the little girl that Rick Dalton's character his bad guy character kidnaps. Zoe Bell, got about her. Yes. She's a stunt woman that does a lot of Tarantino movies. Zo- yes, Zoe Bell. Who, uh, yeah, she's she's in a lot of Tarantino stuff. She's a stunt woman. She's yeah, she has a, a brief role in this movie. She's the one that kicks Cliff off the set after he beats up Bruce Lee. As another note, I forgot about this too. Like we talked about the previous owners, so there's someone that lived there, but the actual owners would have been that actually lived next door for a while were Dean Martin, Paul Barbuda, and Danny Strong played Dean Martin. That scene that was cut, and Tim Roth was also in that scene. Yes, Tim Roth was his scene was cut. Yeah, let's just show you Tim Roth is another mainstay of Tarantino. There's more we can get into, and we will definitely do more Tarantino movies. We want to present something that was newer and a little bit fresher, I guess. Yeah, because, I mean, we've we've been focusing so much on, you know, movies from the 80s and 90s lately. So we wanted to uh, do something a little bit more recent. It's kind of strange because I love Tarantino, and I think Tarantino, I think, in the 90s and early 2000s. Here we are talking about Spotlight and Hollywood. And I think it's one of his best movies. I would put it within his top four, to be honest. Like, I think it's probably maybe because I, I think he felt a little bit more free. He could do a little more what he really wanted as opposed to just fighting revenge or some type of spin on larger historical events that are focusing on a time frame that was far more personal to him, which was the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. It well, played out well. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a great movie. And it's it's definitely, if you have not seen it, it's definitely worth a watch. Even if you haven't seen it and we just spoiled the whole movie for you, it's still worth watching. So check yeah. it out if you haven't it's seen okay it. It's okay that we spoiled that Sharon Tate lives. Yeah. Yeah. Check the movie out. And honestly, check the Tate murders out too. It's all very interesting. Yeah, it's it's, it's a very interesting story. The real life story and also the alternate version of that story that was in this movie. Well, that is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Next time, we're going to be going to one of Christopher Nolan's early works. I can't wait to talk about this one. We're going to be watching Memento. I, anyway, we'll get into this, but I was on the Nolan train before most people even knew was with Batman again. Yes, he, he's a, yes, Tony is a Nolan hipster. I'm excited about this. I cannot wait to talk about Memento. <laughs> yeah, so uh, join us next time for Memento. And hey, check us out on social media. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Our uh, handle is Robin Tony's Cinematic Adventure. Uh, it is all spelled out. The and is spelled out. It's not an ampersand, unlike the name of the podcast, which is an ampersand, but it's Robin Tony's Cinematic Adventure, all spelled out for Facebook and Instagram. We are also on Twitter, or X, if you want to call it that. That is RNT Cinematic. And we are also on Letterboxd. So if you have a Letterboxd account, check us out there. That is Cine Adventure or Sign Adventure, however you want to pronounce that. But that is C-I-N-E Adventure. Uh, and if you want to send us an email, let us know what you think of the podcast, request movies, whatever you want to do with the email, except send a spam. Please don't do that. But that is Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure 
all spelled out, Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure at gmail.com. Nice and simple. So check us out in those places and go on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe to our podcast. Give us a listen. Let us know what you think in the comments. Leave us some good reviews. That's how we move up in the standings and in the search and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, check us out and help us to uh, have a successful podcast so we can keep on bringing these wonderful movies to your ears. We'll uh, see you in your ears then. Good night, good afternoon, and I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs>